Oh, okay. All right. You ready to get into the Word of God? All right. Well, for the last couple of weeks on Sunday mornings, we've been talking about the offering and uh, the giving of our finances. And if you've been on the se- in on the sessions on Sunday mornings, now remember Wednesday nights we've been talking about healing, and we've been having a great time in in those classes. Remember, uh, Jesus is still in the healing business. And uh, so that's what we've been doing on Wednesday nights. Sunday mornings, we've been talking about the offering. Now, uh, God wants us to prosper and be in health. Okay, and and so we just felt led of the spirit to handle this on Sunday mornings, the offering. Now, I've said if you've been here for the last 20 years or so, I have said little to nothing about the giving of finances. Uh, we've said quite a bit about the natural side of finances, you know, working hard, uh, managing your money, making good investments. Those are, are things that we've said some things about over the years. I've said very little, little to nothing about the giving of finances simply because I don't want to be grouped in with the uh, preachers that are money hucksters. You know, the Bible calls them money hucksters. They're just trying to get your money and and they use all kinds of gimmicks to get your money. I don't want to be grouped with those people. Um, I remember the story. It's a true story. I knew the pastor. He had, bless his heart, he had preached on giving, 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 and his church always struggled financially. Now, I've said little to nothing about giving over the last 20 years, and all the needs of this church are met. The, we have no debt on the, on, on the property, on the, on the building. We've been out of debt for, for many years. The church is in good financial shape. I think what that shows is we've applied the financial principles of the Word of God, and they work, you know. And you don't have to beg people for money and do all kinds of fundraisers and things and have chicken dinners and all to try to raise money for the work of God. You, you understand? So said little to nothing about it, but this one pastor, he just preached give, 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 give all the time to his congregation, always struggled financially. And the one, the one time uh, the offering counters came to him after the service and pa- said, Pastor, you need to come and see what someone has put in the offering. And when he got back to the office, he looked in and someone had put in their false teeth. A lot of the times folks don't laugh at that because they just can't believe that that would happen. But they found out who it was and the pastor went up to the guy and he said, called his name and he said, did you put your false teeth in the offering? And, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, he had, yeah, pastor, I put my false teeth in. He said, why'd you do that? He said, well, you've been preaching so much on giving over the last so many years. He said, I've given everything I have to this church. He said, the only thing I had left to give was my false teeth. So I put those in, you know. So I've stayed away from teaching on giving because I don't want to be grouped in with, with you know, folks that preachers are trying to get your money. And so many of them are. Not all of them, but so many of them are. Always be watchful of a minister that's prophesying money out of your pocket and into theirs. Okay? But yet, that just because there's some bad things that go on along these lines... The Word of God is true, and the Word of God does say some things about, about giving of finances. So we need to take a look at those. So that's what we've been doing. So part one, we talked about New Testament giving. Last week, we talked about what we can expect to receive from God when we give. And uh, did any of you enjoy that last, last week? 
when we talked about like the hundredfold return. You know, if the hundredfold return worked, a lot of these preachers that preach on that, don't you think over the last many years they'd have put that into practice and by now they'd be multi-quadrillionaires. Is that right? Is that right? But they're still asking for your money, aren't they? So there's a truth in giving and receiving, and we handled that last week, so I won't get into that today. But today what I want to talk about is tithing in the New Testament. Tithing in the New Testament. Remember, we're looking at this subject through the lens of the New Testament, not through the lens of the Old Testament, because so many times when teaching on finances is done, go right back to the Old Testament, and, uh, and, and, and preachers tend to teach on giving. From the, from the Old Testament perspective, we live in the New, New Covenant. And so I've been looking at this through the eyes of the New Testament. But I did tell you on day one that I will have to go into the Old Testament on, on a couple of things. Because it is important that we go there and look at a few things. And so we're going to be doing that some today. Um, uh, let's go to Matthew twenty three twenty three to start. New Living Translation. It will be on the screen if you don't have it. Matthew twenty three twenty three. While you're while you're turning there, I want to say this to you. If God's got you, if He's got your heart, He's got your money. Is that true? If He's got you, if He's got your heart, He's got your money. Is that true? That's not true. It's not true. If He's got your money, He's got your heart. Didn't we see that in the first session? Yes or no? But a lot of people say, well, if God's got your heart, he's got your money. No, if he's got your money, he's got your heart. Jesus said where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So if somebody says, well, if God's really got your heart, he's got your money. No, if God's got your money, he's got your heart. Your heart follows your money. Jesus said where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Just wanted to give you that little quiz. I see about half of you failed at. So you need to brush up, okay? All right. I'm an old math teacher from years back. I'll throw you a pop quiz every now and then, okay? Matthew 23, 23, New Living Translation. Jesus said, What sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law. Justice, mercy, and faith. You see, there are more important things than tithing. Jesus said so. Justice, mercy, and faith. That's more important than tithing. Jesus said so, didn't he? There are things that are more important than tithing. Justice, mercy, and faith. But notice he said, notice this, you should tithe, yes, Did Jesus say that we should tithe? Or at least these people should tithe? Yes. But do not neglect the more important things. So there are more important things than tithing, like justice, mercy, and faith. But Jesus told these people that they should tithe. Did you know from this statement we can prove that Jesus was a tither? He was either a tither or a hypocrite. And we know he's not a hypocrite. Because did he tell these people to tithe? Yes or no? Yes. And so if Jesus told them to do it and he didn't do it, then he'd be a hypocrite. So we know he's not a hypocrite. So Jesus was a tither. Okay. So should we tithe? Or he said, should you tithe? Yes. But don't neglect the more important things. Now, a lot of times folks don't even know what a tithe is. Tithe means 
So, it, so what is a tithe on, on, on a dollar? A dime, right? What's a tithe on ten dollars? One dollar. What's a tithe on a hundred dollars? Okay, so you're good. You passed my math class. So you're doing good. All right, now, with this statement though, some say that Jesus was addressing the Jews who were still under the Mosaic law. And we are not under the Mosaic law, so we don't have to tithe, some will say. And when people say that, they're correct. Jesus was addressing Jews still under the Mosaic law. And the people that make that statement are correct that we are no longer under the Mosaic law. But do you know that most Christians don't have any idea what the, what the law of Moses really said concerning tithing? Because when we say tithe, we just think 10%. But you need to realize the Mosaic law, what it required. Let me just briefly tell you what it required. We could look all these scriptures up, but let me just summarize it. Under the Mosaic law, the Israelites were uh, to tithe on their crops and herds. There were two annual tithes, two yearly tithes, and a third tithe to be offered every three years. The first tithe was to be spent by the Israelites as they went to Jerusalem three times a year to attend the festivals. This tithe would be used to cover travel expenses, housing, and temple worship for Passover, Pentecost, and the Feast Feast of Tabernacles. The second tithe was to the Levites, or to the priests, and the Levites, or the priests, would then present a tenth of what they had received to the high priest. This tithe would support those who ministered in the temple and officiated at the altar. The third tithe was collected every three years and was distributed to the poor, the widows, and the orphans. So these three tithes would amount to just over 20% annually. Just over 20%. And in addition to these tithes, under the Mosaic Law, there were other obligations mandated, including first fruits, firstborn animals, redemption money for the firstborn son, offerings required for the release of vows, the annual half-shekel temple tax, the annual wood gathering uh, uh, offering or tax, and the free will offerings. Altogether... We're probably talking about 30% plus annually that the Israelites were required to, required to give under the Mosaic Law. Now all of a sudden 10% looks pretty good, doesn't it? Because here we're looking at 30% plus. That was under the Mosaic Law. Now we're not under the Mosaic Law. Uh, can anybody say amen? That's, that's good. Now even though we're not under that law... We're under grace, but there's two passages I want to quickly look up that we can glean from. Look at Leviticus 27, verse 30. They'll have it on the screen if you don't have it, have it in front of you there. Leviticus 27, 30. Notice this, and all, because we can learn something about the way God looks at the tithe. And all the tithe of the land, whether the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. Notice it's holy to the Lord. So the tenth, the tithe, is holy to the Lord. That means it, it's precious to him. It's to be set apart for him. Now, if a man wants to redeem any of his tithes, he shall add a fifth to it or 20%. So under the law, if you didn't tithe, it would cost you interest of 20%. And concerning the tithe of the herd of the flock, of whatever passes under the rod, the tenth one is holy to the Lord. You need to understand this about God. The tenth or the tithe is holy or it's special to the Lord. Notice Proverbs 3, verse 9. 
Proverbs 3, verse 9. This, these are in the New King James. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. There's something about the first and the best that's important to God, as we'll see. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Now, you need to realize all of it belongs to God. He allows us to keep 90%. He requires 10. The first and the best. And when we give God that 10%, it always comes with great blessing. He always will bless us as a result. And you need to realize that. I would rather have a blessed 90 than a cursed 100. How about you? That makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? So the question after reading all that, do we have to tithe in the new covenant? Well, not looking at the Mosaic law, but rather a principle. Let's turn to Genesis 14 and 20. Because we're clearly not under the Mosaic law. So we don't have to do all of what the Mosaic law said, what I summarized a moment ago. But I want to go into the Old Testament and just show you a principle, which we've already begun to look at. But I want to hammer it home some more to you. Remember Abraham. How many remembers Abraham? He was hundreds of years before the Mosaic law. And he, had, he was in a battle. And he won the battle at the hand of God and he took the spoil or the goods, you know, to the winner goes the spoil. And notice what Abraham did hundreds of years before the Mosaic law. Notice Genesis 14, 20. He said, and blessed be the God most and blessed be God most high who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And he gave him a what? What did what did he give him? A tithe of all. Now, he gave this to a high priest named Melchizedek. And some argue that that Melchizedek was Jesus appearing in the Old Testament. Other people argue that he was a human being that was was a priest of that day. In either in either case, he does represent the Lord Jesus. And be that as it may, what did Abraham do? He gave a tithe of all. And this was hundreds of years before the Mosaic law. So Abraham was a tither. Okay. And now if you go back even before Abraham, go back to, let's go back to the Garden of Eden. Genesis 2 verse 16. Let's go back there. And look at what God said to them in the Garden of Eden. You know, he made man of the dust of the ground and then breathed to him the breath of life and then put him to sleep, took the rib out of his side, made the woman, you know. We've got Adam and Eve, and he put them in the garden. And look at Genesis 2:16. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat. Notice, of all the trees you may freely eat. But, but, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat it. For in the day you eat thereof you shall what? Surely die. So was there one tree that was set apart for God? Yeah. Did he allow them to eat of all the other trees? Yes, but there was one, there's always a part set aside for God. And in this case, it was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And what happened when they partook of what they shouldn't have partook of? What happened when they, when they ate that which the Lord set aside for himself? What happened? They died, didn't they? Remember, I told you this, the tithe is marked as a blessing or a curse. It's marked as a blessing or a curse. If you'll, if you'll tithe, it's a blessing. 
If you don't tithe, I've watched this over many years, it, it, tends, to, it tends to be a curse. And plus, the, the way I teach, when I do teach on this, which I, as I said, I seldom do. But when I do, I, I don't come at it from the standpoint, well, if you don't give or tithe, God's going to get you. That's not the heart of God. But I know this, if you don't get involved in God's finances, he's not going to get involved in yours. And I want God involved in my finances. How about you? So we see this principle in Abraham's life. We see it in the Garden of Eden. Go to Genesis 4, verse 3. This is New Living Translation. Remember Cain and Abel? Remember the children of Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel? They were brothers. And um, notice here in verse 3, New Living Translation. When it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift. Now watch this. The best of the firstborn. The best of the firstborn. Notice, Abel brought God his first and his best. And I believe we can conclude from this that, because we'll see, Cain didn't bring his first and his best. But Abel did. He brought the best of the firstborn lambs of his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. Why? Because Cain didn't bring the first and the best. This made Cain very angry and he looked dejected. Why are you so angry? The Lord asked Cain. Why do you look so dejected? You will be accepted if you do what is right. What is the right thing to do? Bring the Lord the what? The first and the best. Okay, and evidently Cain didn't do that. Now, turn over to Hebrews 11:4, and we'll see from a New Testament perspective uh, what, what it has to say concerning this. Look at Hebrews 11:4, New Living Translation. It was by faith. Realize, say by faith. It was by faith that Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. Do you know that it takes faith to give your first and your best? It does not take any faith to give your junk to God. It doesn't take any faith to give something that doesn't mean anything to you to God. How many of you have ever heard this over the years when they're having, you know, when the church is receiving something to give to the poor and people are going to go and get their old junk and bring it to the church is that right but i've always looked at it another way if the church is going to be doing a a a drive to give to the poor don't don't go get your old junk why don't you go to the store and buy something nice to bring and give to the poor you okay now there's nothing wrong if you have some old clothes and you want to be a blessing i mean to people that don't have anything your old clothes would be a blessing is that right but the mentality that has been as i've watched this over the many years and everybody that's had this mentality has always struggled financially we're going to give god our leftovers and our junk those people always struggle financially did you know that i've been doing this a long time but people that are going to give their first and their best to god those people they they prosper they really really do And it was by faith, verse 4 here, that Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. Abel's offering gave evidence that he was a righteous man and God showed his approval to his gifts. Although Abel, now watch this, although Abel is long dead, he still speaks to us by his example of faith. 
So is, is, Abel, is what Abel did when he, get, when he gave that first and best to God, should that still speak to us today according to this verse? Yes. So what Abel did wasn't under the Mosaic law, but there's a principle that we need. It still needs to speak to us today that when we approach God, we need to give him our what? Our first and our best. Now, go back to Joshua, the sixth chapter, just trying to establish a principle with you. Remember, after Moses died and Joshua took over and they were going to go in and possess the land. Remember the first city. Does anybody know the name of the first city that they were going to have to conquer? Jericho. Is that right? It was the first city. Now notice the first city. And God says to them here in verse 18, he said, and you by all means, talking to to Joshua concerning the, the, the Israelites, He said, you by all means abstain from the accursed things, lest you become accursed when you take of the accursed things and make the camp of Israel a curse and trouble it. But all the silver and gold, now all the silver and gold from Jericho and vessels of bronze and iron are consecrated to the Lord. They shall come into the treasury of the Lord. So when they took Jericho, remember they marched around the city at one time a day for six days and on the seventh day they went around seven times, remember that? And then the people shouted and all of that and the the walls fell down, remember? And and God gave them a great victory there. And in that first city, God said all the silver, all the gold goes into the treasury of the Lord, okay? But there was a man named, does anybody remember his name? Starts with an A. Achan was his name. And he was among the Israelites And he went in and he took some of the stuff that belonged to the Lord. He went and took it and he hid it under his tent. Remember that? And then a short time later, the Israelites had to go up against this real small city. Does anybody remember the name? It starts with an A and it ends with an I. Oh boy, you're good. AI, remember AI? And, and the, the people of, 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 of God, the Israelites, now they just conquered this big, massive city of Jericho. Now they're going to take this small little city and they go up against it and they are terribly defeated. Remember that? And, and Joshua went before the Lord and he was praying as to, Lord, why, why couldn't we whip this little city? We, you know, we beat that big city, uh, Jericho. Why couldn't we win this little city? And Joshua's praying. And look at Joshua 7 verse 10. The Lord said to Joshua, get up. Why do you lie thus on your face? Israel has sinned. So is touching what's, is keeping what's God, is that a sin? Right there, you see it, don't you? Israel has sinned, and they have also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them, for they have even taken some of the accursed things. Remember, the tithe is, is, is either meant as a blessing or, or it can be a curse. They have eaten and taken some of the accursed things and have both stolen and deceived, stolen and de- stolen and deceived. And they have also put it among their own stuff. I wonder, I've, I've thought this about myself over the years, I wonder, is any of God's stuff among my stuff? I don't want any of God's stuff to be among my stuff. I want his stuff to go to him. Can you say amen? In verse 12, therefore, for this reason, the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies, but turned their backs before their enemies because they have become doomed to destruction. Neither will I be with you anymore unless you destroy the accursed thing from among you. 
Isn't it good that when we miss it, we can repent? Isn't that wonderful? And he said, get up, sanctify the people and say, sanctify yourselves for tomorrow. Because thus says the Lord God of Israel, there is an accursed thing in your midst. O Israel, you cannot stand before your enemies until you take away the accursed thing from among you. And remember, um, the Lord revealed it to Joshua that it was Achan. And they went in and they dealt with the issue and they dealt with the problem. And then the blessing of God came back on on the people. But it was all because Achan took what belonged to God. And it's interesting, if you look at Joshua 8 and verse 2, you can see the heart of the Lord on this. Look at Joshua 8, 2. He says to Joshua, And you shall do to Ai and its king, as you did to Jericho and its king, because now they're going to go back against Ai. And, and notice what, he, what God says, Only its spoil and its cattle you shall take as booty for yourselves. Booty just means you to the... You know, you get to keep all the, the goodies, lay, lay ambush for the city and so on. What was God saying? The first city belongs to me, but all the rest of them you can have. Now, isn't that really a good deal? Isn't that really a good deal? God allows us to keep 90 and he just requires 10. That's a good deal. And again, as I keep saying, does it all belong to God? It all belongs to God. And he allows us to keep Ninety, he just requires ten. There's something holy about the tenth. There always has been, there always will be. Now go over to First Kings 17 real quick. Remember Elijah went to this widow's house. And remember the widow was starving and she just had a little oil and a little meal left. How many remembers that? And she was in trouble. She's, she's, she's in trouble. And look at First Kings 17, 13. Elijah said to her, do not fear, go and do as you have said. See, I'm trying to show you a principle here. But make me a small cake from it, what? First. See, this lady's about to die. She doesn't have, there's a famine in the land. She's got no limited food. Just has a little meal, a little oil, and she's, 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 she's about to starve. And Elijah shows up and, and, um, He says to her, he says, make me a small cake from it first. Now, if you don't understand the principles of God, you're going to think that Elijah here is just trying to take advantage of this woman. But if you understand the principles of God, that if you give God and this this man, Elijah, was a representative of God, when you give God the first and the best, God will honor it. And he said, make me a small cake from it first and bring it to me and afterward make some for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bin of flour shall not be used up, nor the jar jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. So she went away and did according to the word of Elijah and and, and, uh, she and her, uh, he and her household ate for how long? For many days. This was with just a little oil and a little meal. That's all they had left. But she made a cake and she gave it to the prophet of God first. And the bin of flour, verse 16, was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Elijah. See, if we'll just honor God, we'll never run out. You understand that? We'll always have enough. We need to bring our first and our best to the Lord. But sad to say, so many don't do that. Go to Malachi, the first chapter, and then we'll move into the New Testament, and then, then I'll close. But, but I want you to look at this. These verses typically don't get read. 
But I, I want to read, read several verses to you here. Would people, would the people of God bring their junk to the Lord? Yes or no? Would they? I've watched it for years. Long before we ever started this church. Now, you all are a good group. I, you, 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 you understand that it's important to honor God. But I've watched this in so many other churches, not putting anybody down, but I've just watched this again and again and again and again, where people bring their junk to God, but it's nothing new. Cain brought his junk to God. Remember? Abel brought the first and the best. Cain brought the junk. Took no faith. And it's nothing new. Look here at Malachi. I'm going to read several verses. Look at Malachi 1 verse 6. New Living Translation will be on the screen. The Lord of heaven's armies, he's talking about the Lord here, says to the priests, a son honors his father and a servant respects his master. If I am your father and master, where are the honor and respect I deserve? You have shown contempt for my name, but you ask. How have we ever shown contempt for your name? You have shown contempt by offering defiled sacrifices on my altar. Then you ask, how have we, how have we defi- uh, defiled the sacrifices? You defile them by saying the altar of the Lord deserves no respect. When you give blind animals as sacrifices, isn't that wrong? And isn't it wrong to offer animals that are crippled and diseased? That's what they were doing. Try giving gifts like that to honor your governor and see how pleased he is, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Go ahead, beg God to be merciful to you. But when you bring that kind of offering, why should he show you any favor at all? Asked the Lord. How I wish one of you would shut the temple doors so that these worthless sacrifices could not be offered. I am not pleased with you, says the Lord. I will not accept your offerings. Look at verse 11. But my name is honored by people of other nations from morning till night. All around the world, they offer sweet incense and pure offerings in honor of my name. For my name is great among the nations, says the Lord. See, other nations were offering precious things to the Lord, but his own people were not. Verse 12, but you dishonor my name with your actions by bringing contemptible food. You are saying it's all right to defile the Lord's table. You say it's too hard to serve the Lord. A lot of people say, well, it's just too hard to tithe. Some people say, I just can't tithe. Yeah, I can't afford to tithe. You can't afford not to, dear friends. You say it's too hard to serve the Lord and you turn up your noses at my command, says the Lord. Think of it. Animals that are stolen and crippled and sick are being presented as offerings. Should I accept from you such offerings as these, asks the Lord? Cursed is the cheat who promises to give a fine ram from his flock, but then sacrifices a defective one to the Lord. Think about that. For I'm a great king, says the Lord, says the Lord, and my name is feared among the nations. Would people bring their junk to the Lord? They've done it since the time of Cain. Sad, isn't it? Think about it. Jesus bled and died for us on Calvary. Look at Malachi 3 now, verse 8. Now, these scriptures usually always get read when talking about tithing. I'm going to read these in the New King James. Will a man rob God? Yet you've robbed me. But you say, and what have we robbed you? In tithes and 
offerings. You're cursed with a curse. For you've robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this. Only time in the Bible where I see that God says we should put him to the test or prove him in something. Is in, in this subject of, 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 of honoring him with our first and our best. Try me now on this, says the Lord of hosts. If I'll not open for you the windows of heaven, pour out you such a blessing, there'll not be room enough to receive it. And I'll rebuke the devourer for your sakes, so that it will it'll not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. How many of you think that's a real good good blessing? We need to give God our first and our best. Now, somebody said one time, they said, well, I, I tithed one time and I've never seen the blessing from it. Well, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. When I was 60 pounds overweight, How come I'm not in shape? I did a push-up. I did a push-up. No. One push-up's not going to get the job done, is it? You're going to have to do... Now you get to come up and do them. Now, I don't know how many that was, but I do 200 of those every other day. I do 255-pound curls every day. Do 200 sit-ups with a 40-pound weight on my chest every other day. Every other day. Do the Bowflex treadmill every other day, don't I? I've been doing that now for uh, two years, a little over two years. Eat right, by the way. Quit eating the Big Macs and the Snicker bars. And what am I trying to say? I've changed my lifestyle. I've been doing this now for over two years. If you'd have seen me over two years ago and you see me now, you wouldn't recognize me because I've lost a whole lot of weight. But doing one push-up and eating one piece of broccoli isn't going to get it done, is it? Real loud, say lifestyle. So you can't tithe one time or give an offering one time or give an offering into a special we told you a couple weeks ago the gimmicks that a lot of preachers use, you know, ooh, if you give, ooh, ooh, if you give, ooh, if you give, if you give in this offering before, before 10 o'clock, you know, 100 folds going to kick in. Remember the 100 fold, that, w- that was a figure of speech. Realize, say, many times more. That's what Jesus was talking about. Given will be given to you many times more. It could be 100 fold, could be more than that, could be less than that. But the point is, you can't just try something and do it one time. You got it. Realize, say, lifestyle. My wife and I have been tithing and giving since we've got married and before that, and blessed on every side financially. Isn't that wonderful? But we've been doing this now for 30 years, 20, 25, 30 years. You, you understand? So let's begin to close this. Go to 1 Corinthians 16, 2. 
Did I do okay with those push-ups? Okay. When, uh, when, when I first started this exercise and I started doing sit-ups and didn't have any weight on my chest, just my wife was holding my ankles and I could barely do, I could barely do one. And then I, I got to going and what I would do is I would use my weight. It would roll back up to my chest and then I'd use it as a springboard to come back up. That's funny. If they'd have been there, they'd, they'd understand. That's, that's okay. It was, it was funny. But if we'll do something consistently over time, the weight will come off. If we, the, the blessing will come. Can you say amen? It's a lifestyle. Consistency. 1 Corinthians 16.2, New Living Translation. On the, so so look, at, look at this. On the first day of each week. Well, what is today? Today is Sunday. That's the first day of the week. You should each put aside a portion of the money you have earned. So do you see the, the principle of tithing there? Setting aside a portion? Somebody said, well, well, what percent should it be? What percent should we set aside? Well... We've just showed you a principle. It looks like the tenth is holy to the Lord, isn't it? I believe, and I'll just leave it at this, it should be the first and the best, shouldn't it? And if 10% and more was required under, under the Mosaic law, how much more under grace? But again, if you're visiting today and, and you say, oh, this guy's talking about money, he's after my money. Well, you don't know my heart, guys. I haven't taught on this, as I said, for it's been 20 years since, I, since we started the church, since I really got into this and taught a message like this. I'm not after your money. I, I'm not. We're doing fine. And we're, that's not what this is all about. It, it, it's, it's, it's to get everybody to see that we need to honor the Lord. And we honor Him, certainly with our, with our lifestyle. We honor Him with the Fruit of our lips, giving praise, that's all a part of it. We honor Him by presenting our bodies a living sacrifice, that's all a part of it. But our money does come into play at some point, doesn't it? And remember, if God's got your heart, He's got your money, is that right? Nope, if He's got your... Some of you are still failing this. If he's got your money, he's got your... Is that true or not? Jesus said where your treasure is. That's where your heart will be also. I believe that what we give God should be the first and the best because it takes faith to give the first and the best. And guys, listen, this is not about you giving away everything that you have and you live in destitute. And, it, and what I don't want is I don't want anybody to be under condemnation here thinking, well, you know, if I don't, you know, give my, you know, I'm, that's not what it's all about. You examine your heart. I'm not after your stuff. You examine your heart. And I do think all of us should be giving our first and our best of everything we have, including our money to the Lord. Is that fair? Is that fair or not? And remember, I showed you in the first session, God wants our giving to be done willfully, cheerfully, as you purpose in your heart. Now let's close in Hebrews 7 verse 8. I need to close. Hebrews 7 verse 8. And this is something that people don't realize. But I would not use this verse to prove from the New Testament that you should tithe. As this verse is referring back to the Old Covenant. I believe in tithing, and while you're turning there, 
I want to say this. In my experience of, of watching ministries and churches over the last 30 years, every single one of them that stood in the pulpit, I'm thinking of one right now that had a real good radio program back years ago here in St. Louis, and they, they eventually got a hold of some wrong teaching. They came on the, on the, te- on the, on the radio and uh, said, well, tithing is wrong. We don't need to tithe. Every time I've seen a minister come against tithing, or say we don't need to do it. Every single time that minister and that ministry has failed and gone down and shut down. And gone down to bare bones financially. So I stand here and I'm going to tell you I believe tithing is a biblical principle. We see it from the Garden of Eden to the present hour. And that's, that's where I stand. But let me ask a question. Have I ever come up to anybody in here and ask you about your, your tithing or giving? Anybody? Have I ever come up to ask you about it or talk to you? Have I ever asked anything? And I won't. And I won't. I'll shut the church down before I do that. Because that's not, that's not God's way. Your giving is between you and God. Did you hear me? Not between you and me. Okay? Now notice here Hebrews 7, 8. Now notice what happens when you do release the first and the best to God. The Bible says here mortal men receive tithes. Mortal just means those, those who will eventually die. Did we receive tithes and offerings this morning? Yes. And, and, and you'll notice we received the tithes and offerings before we taught. I don't believe in hyping people up. You know, you can hype people up and get them higher than a kite and then pass the offering bucket. and You'll get people giving money they shouldn't give because they're hyped up in a hyped up state where the ministers just promised them things that's beyond the word of God. No, we always receive the tithes and offerings before I teach, especially on this subject. Because I don't want you giving out of emotion or, or, you know, I want you to think about it, pray about it, and then give as you purpose in your heart. Can you say amen to that? But here mortal men receive tithes, but there, say in heaven, say it again, in heaven, in heaven, he, that's Jesus, receives them. The heavenly father receives them. Right? Of whom it's witnessed that he lives. Here mortal men receive tithes. It's used for the work of the ministry. For the support of the work of God and so on. But you need to know in the spirit realm. When you give those tithes and offerings and release them. In the, in, in the natural realm. In the spirit realm up in heaven. God receives them. And let's be sure we're giving God our first and our best. Stand with me if you would. I hope you receive something out of this today. Bow your heads, if you would, please, right before we're dismissed. I just want you, with your heads bowed and eyes closed, I want you to just examine yourself. And if you've been given God your first and your best, then I believe he's well pleased with you. And if you haven't been, this is a good time just to judge yourself. Remember, the Bible says if we judge ourselves, we'd not be judged. And just examine yourself. And if you haven't been giving God your first and your best. And of course, we've been centering in on money in this series, but there's more to it than money. There's your time, your talents and all of that. If you haven't been giving him your first and your best, judge yourself. Make the adjustment. Repent. God, he's quick to forgive you. He'll forgive you just like that. And then move forward from this time forward, giving him your first and your best. And I tell you what, 
you can't outgive God. He'll bless you beyond your wildest dreams in the process of time. So judge yourself. And while you're doing that, I want to remind you that Jesus told a parable about a religious man and a sinner, a real sinner, who went up to the temple. And the religious man was a Pharisee, and that religious man stood there and he prayed with himself and he said, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men and extortioners and unjust, adulterer, even as this heathen tax collector. He said, I fast twice a week. And he said, I give tithes of all that I possess. Think of it. But the sinful, the real sinful tax collector standing afar off would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but hit his chest saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus said, I tell you that this man that smote his breast went down justified rather than the other. So I want to ask you a question. Let's get our eyes off of money here and let's maybe you tithe, maybe you do all that. But I want to ask you a question. Do you know Jesus as your savior? Do you know him? So if you're here today and you've never repented of your sins and you've never asked Jesus to come into your heart. You've never made him the Lord of your life. I want you to do that before you leave today. That's the most important thing. Tithing's not the most important thing. Giving of your money. That, that's not the important thing. Jesus said there's other things that are more important. The most important thing is have you received Jesus? And so when we dismiss. As the different people are talking or leaving or whatever. I want you. If you've never accepted Jesus. Remember there is a heaven above. And there is a hell beneath. If you were to die without Jesus in your heart, the Bible says you'd go to hell. But you don't have to go to hell. You can repent and ask Jesus into your heart, and he'll come in. You'll miss hell and make heaven. So if you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus, when we dismiss, I want you to come up to the front. There's some men and women up here. Talk to them, and they'll pray with you, and they'll lead you in a prayer, and you'll be able to receive Jesus, miss hell and make heaven. And then start living for him from that moment forward, giving him your first and your best. Now, Father, I pray for these people today. I pray that as the word has gone forth, that it will not return void, but it will accomplish what it's been sent forth to do. In Jesus' name, and all of God's people that agreed with that prayer said, Amen. Amen. Now, greet one another. This is a friendly family church. Love on one another, and you're dismissed.